welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. All right, isn't it? Uh, you enjoying yourself this morning? It's uh, what I want to do is I want to encourage you. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take about just about 15 minutes, if that's okay. Well, if it's not okay, tough. I've locked the doors and you're not going anywhere, because this time of year tells us. You know what I love about this time of year? It tells us that God steps right into the middle of mess. Do you get that? Whenever there's a mess in your life or, or, or things are difficult or there, there's things that are bleak or things that are hard, one thing that really stands out about this time of year is that God is not distant. He brings light into darkness and what he does is he steps right into the middle. He goes towards those things which look dysfunctional so that he can bring the light of his love and his grace to your life. Do you get that? And that's what this time of the year is all about for me. I, I, I spoke last week on Matthew 2. I just want to take one verse that Lucy actually read beautifully earlier on. It's Isaiah 9, Isaiah 9 6. And because the whole context for Christmas, if, if you think anything over these next few days in the chaos of kids and presents and fun and turkey and all that sort of stuff, and maybe a glass of wine or two, I don't know, I can see that. And... Um, <laughs> You know, it'll be a fight to keep Penny away from it this year, like it is all, uh, every Christmas. <laughs> and, uh, oh dear, uh, she's just staring at me like, shut up. And, uh, but I, I want you to think that in the context of what your world is like, in the context of what your life is like, the Lord never steps away from things that are difficult. Do you get that? And if you're in stuff this morning which is difficult, the Lord is right in the middle of it with you. Because when he sees brokenness and he sees pain and he sees hurt and he sees all of that stuff, what he does is he goes right towards it and he steps right into the middle. And Isaiah 9, 6 is a picture of that. And what's interesting is that the, the, the prophet Isaiah, for those of you who don't know, he wrote these words in, in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born. You see this, don't you, on every Christmas card, that, that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government is upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And what happens is we look at that verse, and we kind of go, oh, that's lovely, isn't it? It's just on a Christmas card, and it looks brilliant. Can I just tell you what was going on at the time when that was written? Because what it tells you is this, is that before, the prophet Isaiah, this happened like hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus actually, was, actually came. And it's a prophecy. It's a, it's a declaration of God's will and intent for that which is in the future. And what it tells us is whenever we look at, at verses like this, we can go, well, look, it's, um, it's, it's nice and it sounds good. But actually, when the Lord spoke this, what he was doing is he was showing us that he is always in front of what is going on in your life. Do you get that? See, when you think about Christmas, one of the things about, I, you couldn't upset me right now, right? Because the nights have turned. We are past the 21st. My whole mood, as you have noticed this morning, my mood and demeanor is, he's like, who is that fella up there? Well, I haven't seen him in the last six months. Like all of a sudden, he's happy and, you know, I've got my Christmas gear on and I'm ready to go. As cheery as you get, right? And you're probably, one, that's because the nights have changed. You can feel it, can't you? I woke up this morning and went, oh, you can feel that, smell that in the air. It's amazing. The lights are, there must be three seconds more daylight today than there was yesterday. Just think what I'll be like in January. I'll be like the Duracell bunny, for goodness sake, thinking about the, the great time coming in front of us. But it's interesting that God always speaks in advance of stuff. If you, if you think about what, you know, we get over Christmas, and what happens over Christmas time is for some people we get over it and there's like almost like a, oh, at the end of it, you almost come down. 
And then the cold reality that you're not going to be paid to the 11th of January, right? And uh, all that kind of stuff starts to kick in, and the cold nights and the rain battering against your windows, and you go, flip me. And what you need to know is you need to know that before you find yourself in any situation, God has already spoken a word over that. And, that, and those verses from Isaiah, I'm going to put them in context for you this morning very quickly. My kids, you listen up because you're going to learn something this morning, all right? Because it, it's for your life as well. When you think about school and like future and all that kind of stuff, and you think, what's going to be happening and where am I going to find myself? God always moves towards it. Always. So do you know what actually where this prophecy was given? It was actually about the southern kingdom of Judah. And there was a king and he was called Ahaz. And he was a young king. And what happened was he... He's, he's king of, of the southern kingdom of Judah, and they're in trouble because Ahaz didn't love God, and he didn't follow God at all. And what happens is that Ahaz um, started to really, what we would say, suppress the truth, okay? He started to take the whole truth of God and his promise, and what happened was he rejected that. And so because they didn't live under the grace of God like we do, then judgment came as a result. And God judged them for it. And, and the whole of Isaiah chapter 8 is about this. Like the, the northern bit of Israel, um, that they were fighting the Assyrians. It was all going crazy for them. And then what happened was that because the, the northern part of Israel is, is fighting off the Assyrians, the southern part is just, as we would say in Belfast, going to hell in a handcart, right? They were completely lost. Ahaz completely rejected God's wisdom. He completely rejected uh, the rule of God in his own life and in, and in the country. And what happens is that his plans start to fail. And what, what happened is whenever, whenever you take God out of something, that's why, you know, I, I, I like Christmas. I know I, I say that I don't, but I actually do, right? It's probably good for a pastor to say that. I know a joke about it, but it's actually quite important, you know, that we celebrate Christmas. And so just for the record, Your Honor, I do actually like it. Um, but what's really interesting is like in the world... You can see here what happens. See, when you take God out of any society, you take God out of anyone's life, you take the truth of Jesus out of They turn to all sorts of stuff to try to fill the void that sits there anyway. Do you get that? It's not like we run on, like our life just continues. It's interesting. I love to listen to people who are, who are not Christians, actually. I love a guy called Douglas Murray. He fascinates me. Some of you might go, he's a far right, whatever. He's not, right? Just, and if you can't take people with a different point of view to yourself, then grow up, all right? That's what's wrong with the world. We all get offended over everything. Oh, he's terrible. And we chuck these tropes at people, which half of them aren't even true. But he said an interesting thing on a podcast I was listening to recently. He says, what we're doing, and this guy is an atheist and he's gay, right? And so hardly a, a poster boy for the religious right, but he was talking about the, the, the situation that we find ourselves in the West today. And he said, if anyone thinks that we can take God out of society and think that it's going to turn out all right, then we are massively mistaken. We've never done this before. This is an experiment on a grand scale, and it will not end well because we've built our whole world and existence and civilization around what we call Judeo-Christian truth, the truth of God and who he is revealed in the Bible. That's what our legal... Everything is built around us, and we're gnawing away at it, pulling at it bit by bit. And do you know what, what's amazing about it? It's like Christmas reminds us that when that happens, the whole thing falls apart. In the southern, southern half of, of, of Judea at this time, under Ahaz, people turned to, to superstition. He, he denied God. The country goes into a bit of a mess, 
okay? And all of a sudden, people still know that on the inside of them, there is a need that will never be fulfilled other than by the one who created you. And so they start to turn to superstition. They start to turn to the occult to find guidance, to find some reason for hope. Do you know what King Ahaz even did? And this is a wee bit gross, kids. But so desperate was he, he rejects the wisdom of God. He rejects the truth of God. And what happens is he even burnt his own son to death as, an, as a sacrifice to the Canaanite gods. Isn't that crazy? It was a time of such moral darkness, frustration, anger, and hopelessness. And all under what seemed to be the judgment of God. It's mad. And we have this lovely thing on a Christmas card. You're going, Andrew, this, this is not a Christmas talk. Right? It's taking a bit of a turn. Ooh. Bear with me, all right? I'm setting the scene to go, see, no matter what goes on in the world, I, we need to be absolutely clear that God steps in to a mess like that, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. It's God saying that before the mess of anything happens, right, I've already made a plan to deliver you and to bring you out. And so what he does is he starts to prophesy. Can I read you the five verses that go before Isaiah 9, 6, because you'll start to see it because this is what happens. Like the prophet, this prophet Isaiah starts, that God starts to speak to him about the future that God will bring and he contrasts it with the, the gloom of the day in, in, in Judea and he goes, but this is what God is gonna do and it's fantastic and it's beautiful. I wanna tell you this, like you will live with this juxtaposition of the world around you and everything that it's like, but with the hope of God in your heart that your best days are still to come. And God always gives you that promise well before you find yourself in the mess. When you're in the mess, he promises deliverance. When you're looking forward, he promises great hope. That's what Christmas is about. So what happens in verse one? Um, I'll, I'll, start, I'll go to verse two. Like, so there's darkness and there's doom in, the, in, in Judah. And Isaiah starts to speak and he goes, the people walking in darkness have what? They've seen a great light. If you want to know what that's about, buy my book. Did I mention I have a book? <laughs> Not sure if it did, but buy it. There's a whole chapter on that and it's flipping brilliant. Just chucking that out there. Still time for Christmas presents, all right? I'll do you as a deal after the service. Let me know, <laughs> right? 9.99 each, two for 20. And see people going, brilliant. Yeah, I'm glad. let me get some of those. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so those people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the darkness. So when there's darkness, God promises light. Let me get to this last bit. Instead of fears and tears, Isaiah thanks God in verse three. He says, you've enlarged the nation and increased its joy. What? There's tears and there's fear and there's everything else. And God speaks and he goes, You've increased our joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and rejoice when dividing spoils. Isn't this crazy? How you, how you have what's actually right in front of your eyes and what God says over the top of it. And we've got to choose as we get into Christmas and go through Christmas to go, I'm either going to look at the promise of God in the middle of gloom at times, in the middle of the dark nights and go, actually, when he looks, he sees something entirely different. Because he goes on then in verse four, we're gonna get up to verse six here. Instead of the bondage as hundreds of thousands are taken of prisoner of war by the Assyrians, these invading enemy forces, Isaiah says what? You've shattered their oppressive yoke and on the rod of their shoulders, the staff of the oppressor, just as you did in the day of Midian. It's like there God goes again. He looks at what's going on and he declares the opposite over it. That's what hope is called. Do you get that? 
Some of us need to look at our situation and our lives over Christmas and as we reflect and have time and get into 2024 and go, whatever I see right now, the promise of God normally takes it and reverses it on its head. Because if there's darkness, he's bringing light. If there's despair, he's speaking hope. And you know what's even better? He's not just saying these as nice words. What he's going to say in, in chapter six, in verse 6 is, and I am going to be the provision for that. So it's not hope, cross your fingers, and you will pray that 2024 goes well. And it's actually what he's going to say is, in the situations, I'm turning it around. I'm turning it around. Oh, and by the way, unto us a child is born. So it's not just great words, but it's actually the provision and the fulfillment of the words that I'm speaking over you. Amen. Now, let's get into it. I'll do it very quickly. I've got about seven minutes. He says, instead of almost constant war, Isaiah prophesies the end of the war in verse 5, for the trampling boot of battle and bloody garments of the war will be turned and burned as fuel for the fire. So essentially, what he's saying is this, light will come into the darkness. The fears and the futility, the bondage and the guilt will be taken away. There's going to be joy and it's going to overtake people who once resisted and rebelled against God. And complete victory over every enemy will come for the people. Isn't that amazing? So who is it? Who's going to do all that? We can't do that for ourselves, can we? How, how will we know where to find him? Well, Isaiah tells us then in, in verse 6. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. So everything that he's just described, right? Think about your life. Think about what goes on in it. I'm not saying it's all bad, but there's stuff where we go, God, I would love that to be different. And he lays it out and he reverses the order and he gives hope where there is none. And we go, well, who's going to do it? He says, well, there's going to be a child born. That's what this Christmas message is all about. Light into darkness. God turning around and overcoming the order of things so that you can live in grace and freedom. Because this child, what's he going to do? There's four things very quickly. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. You see, the world right now is making plans for everything. They've got a plan for inflation, a plan for immigration, a plan for this, a plan for that. But God's plan is a person. It's not a set of ideas. It's a ruler like any other ruler, human in the fact that he was a child born, but divine in that he was a son given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, meaning he's going to rule like a king. Can I just tell you what these four things mean very quickly? And one builds on the other. It's truth for your life over Christmas. Wonderful counselor. I'm not going to unpack all the Greek kids, all right, because that will just drive you nuts. But um, literally... He, they will call him Wonderful Counselor. This is a declaration of truth hundreds of years before, speaking into the doom and gloom, and he says there's four things that you need to know about this child who will be given to you. And you receive it. Literally, a wonderful counselor means a wonder of a counselor. And the word wonderful, listen to this, means marvelous, extraordinary, beyond the normal capacity to perform, Right? In other words, this counsel of Jesus transcends human wisdom, and he doesn't need or want for anybody else's wisdom. Why? Because he is the ultimate in wisdom. Right? I love that. What it means is, for our lives, we can trust him when we hear him. We can know that he is 
absolutely beyond the normal capacity to perform in our lives. That must be good news for somebody this morning, is it? What have you tried? What, what, what have you tried that the world says is wisdom and how's it worked out for you? Career? Relationships? Sex? Money? Education? Position? What's, what is it you've tried? Tell me how it's worked out. Nothing wrong inherently with any of those things. But there's a wisdom that comes from God. He's a wonderful counselor. What you need for your life actually is not, and he doesn't need wisdom for anywhere else because he is ultimate wisdom. He is truth. I want to tell you that. That is a rock that you can build your life on. In a world that doesn't know whether it's coming or going, doesn't know whether it's stuffed or mounted, you have the ability today to connect your whole life and anchor your life and your family around the greatest truth ever revealed, the person of Jesus. And he doesn't change. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He's the wonderful counselor. Whatever you need, it's found. And him second one, it says that we'll call him the mighty God. Literally, that title means heroic or strong, right? Heroic or strong God. This, is, this child is God's son, the second person of the Trinity, possessor of all of the power of God. In a word, we call it omnipotent, right? It's a big fancy word. But what it, what it means is this. If you, if you see how Isaiah builds these, the first one, if you tie these titles one on the other, it says that God becomes man, and he has the ability to carry out the full, all in full, all the amazing plans that he has. That's why he's able to say, do you know what? I can, I can absorb every bit of evil that's thrown at me. My plan will take place and I will do all my will. So it's this, this thing of a powerful king that goes, it doesn't matter what it is. This heroic, strong God can, you know, he reveals that he's a wonderful counselor with great plans for your life. And then he says, and also I'm able to perform them because nothing can stand against me. Some of you need to go amen this morning and say, thank you, Lord. Because when the Lord speaks it over your life into the middle of your mess, when you get caught up, you've got a, a choice to make. I either look at the doom and the gloom or I put my eyes in faith onto what grace has said and know that while I can't do it, he can. That's the simple message of Christmas. You can sit there over the next two weeks rubbing your bellies and filling yourself with another man's pie, and that's fantastic. But in the middle of it all, when you think forward, go, do you know what? Whatever it is in my life that I want to see a turnaround in, if you go, I don't know how that works, just remind yourself, speak it out, like literally speak it out. I don't know how, but you can. I don't know how you do it, but you will. It's not my job to worry about how you work it out in my life. It's my job to rest in faith that grace has done it for me because he's a mighty God. I love that. I want to go into January. Do you not want to go into January going, my God is reminding myself of the God that I love and the God who loves me. Do you want to limp into the new year like everybody else going, oh, the new year, terrible, the whole world's a mess, right? You know, and all that, right? Do you want to do that? Well, see if you do, give your head a wobble, will you? That's not the way. We're supposed to walk into life, into every situation with our heads up, our heads high, why looking into grace with our shoulders back and our chest out going, I don't know how, but he will. Amen. Amen. Goodness me. Next thing he says is call him everlasting father. Right? And I'll tell you why you need that mighty God because it's a frustrating world at times, isn't it? I, I don't know about you. Is anyone prone to getting a wee bit weak and a wee bit tired at times? Oh, not really, Andrew. <laughs> We're just amazing. Awesome. Weak and tired is for the weak and tired. Not in our house. 
I don't know about you, there's times where I've gone to bed and I've gone, I need a king who's awake all night so that I can sleep and rest and recuperate. You get that? A mighty God who's got it all, a champion. He's strong enough to keep his word. He's a savior enough to break the power of every bit of sin in my life. He's a wonderful counselor, mighty God. Last thing, two to go, everlasting father. I love this. It's translated actually in some versions of the Bible as a father forever. So this child will be a father to all of us in the best of ways. He's loving, self-sacrificing, always looking out for our best. As Psalm 103, 13 says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I love this. I see this compassion from this mighty king that it's, it's never ending. You know, we're going to have to draw on that, every one of us. Does your compassion run out? Mine does. Listen to my, ch- my children's compassion will run out tonight because they don't know I found a bag of presents in my boot, which I'd forgotten about, which need wrapped. <laughs> a couple of quid in it for you. Don't sniff it. Right? So they probably got plans because we're going to Grands later and it's Christmas Eve. And it's all going to be sweetness and light and watching Elf or whatever. Not until those presents are wrapped, okay? So let's just say daddy might be in the bad books later on, but I'm choosing to do this from the pulpit now to sow the seed so they can't yap at me, right? So playing with a head, son, that's what's going on right here, okay? But it's interesting that we're going to need to draw on compassion. Like, do you know what compassion means? It's not sympathy, there, there, there. Compassion is always motivates somebody towards action. I can have sympathy for someone, which is, that's terrible, Okay, I can even have like empathy and go, oh, that must feel like this. But compassion moves you. Do you get that? Father forever, whose compassion never fails. That means when he looks at you and he looks at what's going on with you, his grace says this. I, I, I'm not going to leave you where you are, but I'll always be moved towards you, to into your world, to lift you from it, to lift you out of the darkness. You know what times you're going to, like where we feel judged? We feel like even these people here, they're under the law. Ahaz is running rampant. That's why kings, you know, they either blessed or cursed the whole nation, actually. But Ahaz is not doing what he was called to do. The whole country's in ruins and all the rest of it. And they're even under the judgment. See, even like under that place of law, the Lord's heart was always compassion. So he still moves for them. Like I want to say to some people in the room, because I actually felt it when I was preparing this, give, let yourselves off the hook a wee bit, will you? Don't be too hard on yourself. That's not me going, there, 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 nicey, 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 okay? That's, if you hear that, you're not hearing me. Oftentimes, we're way harder on ourselves than the Lord ever is. Because his first response to you is not one of judgment and finger pointing. It's one of compassion and love. You're going to get it wrong. You'll get it wrong multiple times. You will feel like a failure a million times, probably even over Christmas. We wanted it to be all like this. We spent all this money, and actually, I just want to kill my family. Get me out for a walk, right? Isn't that the truth? I know I should be enjoying this. Happy Christmas. <laughs> but they're doing my head in. Not that, that doesn't happen in our house. I'm just going to say, but I've heard that it happens in others, <laughs> right? And again, this juxtaposition of we're meant to be dead happy, but actually on the inside. It's, do you know let yourself off the hook. God only has compassion for you. He loves you. 
He steps towards you. The judgment that they experienced is no longer yours because Jesus was judged for you. So the only way he judges you is for righteousness. When he, what I mean by that is he looks at you and, go, and he goes, I just see the work of Jesus in you if you're in Christ. If you've given your life to Christ, that's what he sees. He's not angry. He's not upset. He's not wagging. He's just going, look, I, I understand. I've got compassion. And oftentimes when we, what, what compassion will do, compassion will draw you to the heart of God and not turn you away. When you know that you're loved, you're, you turn towards the light and love of God's love for you and compassion for you. It never makes you turn away from him. Isn't that lovely? Last thing is this. And I should have put, haven't put those three together. So what you realize is, like, you've got these plans of the wonderful counselor, wisdom for your life. He always has the best goal. He's got the power to accomplish it, mighty God. And as he carries me along in these plans and his strength, he, he does it in a deep, loving, involved way in my life. And he'll always be my father forever. That's those three things building. So I'm speaking wisdom into your life. I'm strong to make it happen, and I'll carry you through with love and compassion. The last thing is Prince of Peace. I've, I've preached this at Christmas loads of times, but shalom, excuse me, in Hebrew. And if you don't know what peace means, the Prince of Peace means this. Shalom, when you word study, it goes completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, keeps going, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, and the absence of agitation or discord. I love that. So Isaiah saw him coming. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be named the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah saw him coming. The one who would be God's full answer for you and me. He saw Jesus, the Counselor, who came with wisdom, purpose, and a perfect plan. He saw the Mighty God who is able to accomplish all of his purposes but bring us through in love. And I want to tell you, everything about Christmas, as I told you last week, was to try to thwart that. The devil threw everything at this to try to stop, stop this happening, but it didn't work. So that you and I today, as we enter into this Christmas season, can know above all things that we are loved and secure because a child was given. Can I pray that you would really know that in your hearts and minds this Christmas? That whenever you look and you might even see that verse written somewhere, now just know God's wisdom for your life is good. He's the power to do it. He'll only ever deal in compassion and he'll bring you through to completeness, shalom. Now that's, do you know what? That's the best Christmas gift we could ever hope for, isn't it? Amen. Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that um, this is the truth of Christmas. I want to thank you, Father, that uh, as we Remind ourselves, Lord, this morning that uh, um, as we get into this season, we're going to have some crack with our family. We're going to have fun. And Lord, as we look forward into 2024, we thank you that you are the mighty God. You're the wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace. Father, we thank you that today, that I pray that that truth and that, that word would just permeate hearts today, Lord. I pray, Father, that for your families, you would speak those same words of truth over your families, your kids, your grandkids, everything. Lord, I pray that this Christmas, that over this church and over our people, Lord, there would be a supernatural sense of grace and rest. I pray, Father, for um, 
renewing and restoring in our minds and our bodies, refreshment in, in, in the inside of us, Lord. I pray, Father, that everything that we touch, Lord, we would see your goodness and your favor in it. I pray over this church, Lord, and over our, our family here, Lord, that we would go from grace to grace this Christmas. Lord, that our understanding and our experience of you would grow, that we would see peace in us that we've never seen before, that we would have hope in us into this next year that we've never experienced before, that this would be a year, Lord, of grace upon grace upon grace. And we can do that, Father, because you came. You stepped right into our world and showed us what the answer was. And the answer was Jesus from beginning to end. It's not a plan. It's not a set of principles. It's not a project. It's not any. It's Jesus, the King of Kings. That's who we love and we celebrate today, Lord. So, Father, take this word. Let it be deep in our hearts this Christmas. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 That was a great word. Really encouraging. Um, we... We'd like to take communion uh, with you. So under your seats, if you're here for the first time, there, under your seats there is a little thing of communion. Um, you are free to take it if you wish. Uh, if you're a visitor, it's no problem. Um, if not, that's also okay. If you could stand on your feet for this, that would be great. You know, I was thinking whenever Andrew was, was preaching there, just there's like a double-edged sword, that message in a way, and that it won, it was incredibly encouraging. And on the other hand, there was a challenge, there was a subtle challenge in there, which is this season of Christmas will be over in a couple of days, and it is about what does that mean for me as I step into 2024? Often what we do at Christmas is we see it as an abstract thing sometimes, you know, Jesus came as a baby and it was wonderful, but what does it mean for your life now as you step into January? That was the challenge I felt very much in my spirit. Go with what you've heard and step into the new year with this. So we want to take communion. We take this and we say, Jesus, thank you that your body was broken, that you came, lived as a baby to a man and died on that cross. Your body broken, that we can know wholeness, that we can know life in all of its fullness, as your word says. So we thank you. We take and we eat in Jesus' name. And we take this cup the juice representing your blood. We thank you, Jesus, that our sin is forgiven, that it is far as the east is from the west. Amen, church? It is as far as the east is from the west. And you know, if you can believe that Jesus came and broke the laws of physics and broke all natural laws to come and be a man, to live all the laws of creation, if you can believe that and you eat and you drink and say, I believe that, then you can absolutely damn sure believe he will work in your situation. So we say, thank you, Jesus. We take and we drink. Thank you, Lord.